Welcome back to the Ultimate Pocket Therapist. We are a mother and daughter team of Shannon and Brooke, wanting to educate and entertain and enlighten all of you to mental health. Very good. I did it. That went much better. I did it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Look at us finally get an opening down. (laughs) So before we start, I will do the disclaimer. Um, This is not a therapy session, and I am not your therapist, even if we were corrected last week that I possibly could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if anything that we talk about ever triggers or brings up issues for anyone, we encourage you to get some help, seek out counseling. There are many resources available in all areas, and um, we'll just share one with you right now. This podcast is being sponsored by BetterHelp. Like we have mentioned in each of our podcasts, if anything we talk about triggers or brings up any issues, don't hesitate to seek counseling. Everyone has struggles, and therapy does not need to be scary. Everyone deserves to be happy, and you don't need to worry about finding a therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And as a special offer to Ultimate Pocket Therapist listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash therapist. That's betterhelp.com slash therapist. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, so what do, what do you got for us? Okay, well, we we got another email. Yes, we did. So, and this one's well, they're all interesting, but um, this one I'll just like usual just read the email so that our listeners have the same information that we received. It says, "Dear Ultimate Pocket Therapist." I have an interesting situation I could use some help with. I have been listening to your podcast, so I will just go ahead and name my boyfriend Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what if we wanted to change his name? Oh, man, I was really going to go with Bill this time. Yeah, Bill. It was going to be Bill, but oh, well, we're stuck with Bob. Thanks for ruining our fun. Yeah. Bob and I have been dating for just over a year. We have both been married and have adult children that are out of the house. I was married to a man who was very narcissistic. He was verbally and emotionally abusive. After going to counseling, I was able to get strong enough to divorce him. I have enjoyed listening to your podcast on narcissism because I know I was not the only one married to an asshole. (laughs) Bob is not narcissistic. I I also learned in counseling that I am very codependent. Because of our work schedules, we are only able to spend time together one night a week. We get along great, and he encourages me to tell him how I feel, which is so uncomfortable uncomfortable for me because I was never able to say anything for years. Bob is in sales and travels a lot. We do not talk much on the phone, but we text. 
I will always text him good morning or good night. His responses are short and sometimes one word. I will also text him that I miss him and can't wait for him to get home and ask if he misses me yet. His response is one word like ditto or a thumbs up. He never says he misses me first. This gets my insecurities going and I overthink it. He reassures me that we are fine. Recently, he told me that it really bugs him that I text him that I miss him. He stated that he has never missed anyone, so he does not know how to reply to my text messages without looking like a jerk. He is adopted, and his adoptive parents are both deceased. He stated that he loved them and is sad that they are gone, but do, he does not miss them. Is this normal? How can someone miss? How can someone not miss anyone? He will also not talk about how he feels. If he has had a bad day or is upset with someone, he wants to be completely alone. He has canceled a weekend together because he has gotten in a fight with a family member. He has told me that his adoptive father was very strict and military. As a child, he was not allowed to cry. He had to be, quote, a man, and men don't cry. So I can understand not sharing his feelings, but this, I don't miss anyone, is really confusing. How can you care about someone and not miss them? Can you shed any light on this? Signed, Karen. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know she does listen. She did listen. Yeah, she, she knows her name is Karen. She does. And, and his name is Bob. And his name is Bob. Yeah. Got it. So, <laughs> and narcissists are assholes sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's she, married one. She has it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So this is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, it sounds like just from, you know, this description that they get along pretty good. Yeah. It's clearly, it's not like he's mean. And no. he's not an asshole. Uh-huh. And I like up there when she says... He is not narcissistic. She would know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's been with him a year. And clearly she's been in therapy herself. Yeah. To, and so she's educated on the matter. Right. Yeah. She could probably, after a year, sniff one out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Sniff. Sniff them out. <laughs> like a hound dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See if they've got that brand on their forehead. <laughs> but. Well, wait, so. well, what, what brand, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going into that story. Okay. <laughs> So, what what do you think about this when well, he doesn't miss someone? What comes up for you? You know, since I'm I'm educated and I am a therapist. Correct. Correct. Armchair. Armchair. Armchair therapist. Um, there's obviously something going on attachment wise. Yep. And I I have known about. A, attachment disorders just based off of work I used to do with you. Right. And so I became, that became something in my um, vocabulary mm-hmm. that I don't think a lot of people necessarily would know even about. know yeah. about, but yeah. it sounds like an attachment disorder. That's what pops up for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It, t- it looks like, you know, this not missing someone is not the same as not caring about him. And I can I can definitely see where 
she would overthink that if she tends to be codependent. Because mm-hmm. codependent people, you know, are chronic overthinkers. Yeah. And they're always governed by guilt. And they're always trying to fix something. They always think it's their fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can see where that would get her overthinking. You yeah. Know? But it also probably sheds a lot of light. So why don't we just talk a little bit about what an attachment disorder is? Yeah. Because like I said, I don't, I don't think very many people have ever heard this or yeah. even know. So I'm sure right. a lot of listeners will be like, what? What is an attachment disorder? Yeah. So the definition is it it's a psychiatric illnesses um, that develop in young children who have problems in emotionally attaching to others. So that's kind of like the no-brainer. So if we want to go back to our DSM-5, you're getting quite familiar with that, aren't you, B? Oh, yes. I, mm-hmm. One of I, your favorite reads. I think I'm about to write the DSM-6. Six, six mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. With all of my studies. Okay. So in the DSM-5, <laughs> we'll just move on, um, it lists it. two types of attachment disorders. So what you have to remember is attachment disorder. These are criteria that focuses on symptoms in childhood, okay? We do not form attachment disorders as adults. They are formed in early infancy and childhood, way, like, usually before age two. Oh, so teeny. Uh-huh. Teeny tiny. Yeah. And so if untreated, they carry on through life. They carry into our teenage years. That's where you saw a lot of them helping me mm-hmm. with the equine therapy stuff and into adult. Okay. Okay. So an adult doesn't become or doesn't develop, develop. an attachment disorder right. just out of the blue. Right. It, it happened started... when they were teeny tiny. Right. And it's just never been dealt with. Right. Got it. So there's two types listed in the DSM-5. The first one is an reactive attachment disorder, and the other one is a disinhibited social engagement disorder. Okay? Okay. And generally, what I think we worked a lot with in working with the residential treatment kids and some of our special needs kids is a reactive attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. So the DSM-3 states that it is a consistent pattern of inhibited emotionally withdrawn behavior toward adult caregivers manifested by both of the following. One, the child rarely or minimally seeks comfort when distressed. Two, the child rarely or minimally responds to comfort when distressed. Part B, a persistent social and emotional disturbance characterized by at least two of the following. Minimal social and emotional responsiveness to others, limited positive affect, episodes of unexplained irritability, sadness, fearfulness that are evident even during non-threatening interactions with adult caregivers. The child has experienced a pattern of extreme or insufficient care as evidenced by at least one of the following. Social neglect or deprivation in the form of persistent lack of having basic emotional needs or comfort, stimulation, and affection met by caregivers. Repeated changes of primary caregivers that limit opportunities to form stable attachments or rearing in unusual settings that severely limit opportunities to form selective attachments. That's like kids that are in institutions. Okay. okay. So then the other part of uh, 
attachment disorder is kind of an interesting one. It's the disinhibited social engagement. And this is where um, kids actually, like, they're so unattached that they can quickly become friends with strangers. So the diagnostic criteria in the DSM says a pattern of behavior in which any child actively approaches and interacts with unfamiliar adults and exhibits at least two of the following. Reduced or absent reluctance in approaching or interacting with unfamiliar adults, overly familiar verbal or physical behavior, diminished or absent checking back in with adult caregiver after venturing away even in unfamiliar settings, and for willingness to go off with an unfamiliar adult with minimal or no hesitation. That's scary. Yeah, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like, the puppies they, don't even have to be in the van. They're no, just going to go. They're just going to go. Yeah. <sighs> they don't even need candy. Yeah. They'll just, like, somebody talks to Kittens, them Kittens, puppies, candy, not no, needed. We'll no. just go. <laughs> so, and again, it's it stems from uh, social neglect or deprivation in the form of persistent lack of having basic emotional needs for comfort, stimulation, and affection met by the caregiving adults, repeated changes of primary caregivers that limit opportunities to form stable attachments like frequent foster homes, and again, that rearing in institutions and stuff. So okay. those are the two. So it's interesting that, you know, attachment disorder, if it's not, if it's not like recognized and treated, then you can see how it can go through life up until adulthood, which is probably what Karen Mm -hmm. is dealing with, with Bob. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's not, I always feel like people kind of are like, oh, you know, kind of feel like you're you're talking bad about foster care or adoption or, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that's the reason. And it's not always the case. No. It can be a, you know, loving family, great scenario, and it could have developed from being in a NICU mm-hmm. for right. prolonged periods of time that no one could help and they were getting their needs met. It just no ability to attach. Yeah, there's just that uh-huh. attachment's gone. And so it's yeah, really interesting that it can stem from multiple different scenarios. So what we see most with that is the reactive attachment then. Okay. Where I think what you're describing is where they, you know, for some reason they don't they don't attach. They don't have that it's bonding in a way there's, there's a big difference between bonding and attachment, which we can talk about a little later, but you're right. There's a lot of different, cause we can see it in different households. One of the things I was reading talked about, they have not figured out why some kids in the same setting will form an attachment disorder and others don't. Mm-hmm. So again, there could be these circumstances, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And it's also noted that you're not, no child is born with this. No. It is no, 100% it, developed right. from circumstances. Right. It is. So, yeah. Um, so children that, I'll read this. This is from an article from the Mayo Clinic. And it says, with treatment, 
Children with reactive attachment disorder may develop more stable and healthy relationships with caregivers and others. Treatments for reactive attachment disorder include psychological counseling, parent or caregiver counseling, and education. Learning positive child and caregiver interactions and creating a stable, nurturing environment. So I think this is good to realize that some of this can maybe be worked on and corrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So also in researching, I found something else that is called um, attachment theory. Okay. Okay. And this was developed by a psychologist, John Bowlby. Well, studying babies who became upset when separated from parents. And he states that there are two different types of attachment. There's secure versus insecure, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So if your child's needs were met right away. So we're looking at with attachment stuff, like an adult goes in and the baby's crying. They're met with an adult with a caring, they caress them, they uh, smile at them, they hold them. There's that what engaging, children engaging yes mm-hmm. loving mm-hmm. engaging right yeah so with this theory there's four types of insecure attachments okay the first one is anxious preoccupied attachment where you have an increased um need to feel wanted spend a lot of time thinking about your relationships have a tendency to experience jealous or idolized romantic partners, require frequent frequent reassurance from those close to you that they care about you. So if your need for reassurance isn't met, you might start doubting how your loved one feels about you. These fears can make you more sensitive to behaviors of those close to you. You might interpret some of their actions as proof of what you've been worrying about, them leaving is actually happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then another type of insecure attachment is dismissive avoidant attachment. And that's where you have a hard time depending on partners or other people close to you prefer to be on your own, feel like close relationships aren't worth the trouble, worry that forming close bonds with others will make you less independent. These behaviors can make it hard for others to support you or feel close to you, okay? Mm -hmm. And keep in mind that these behaviors don't stem from not caring about others. Okay. Okay? Yeah. It's more about protecting yourself and maintaining a sense of Mm self-sufficiency, okay? And then there's the fearful avoidant attachment, and that's where you would have conflicting feelings about relationships and intimacy, want to develop romantic relationships, but worry that your partner will hurt you or leave you, push aside your feelings and emotions to try to avoid experiencing them, fear you aren't good enough for the kind of relationship you'd like to have. And with that, you might be able to suppress your emotions for a period of time, but then they tend to come out in bursts. Okay. So it's kind of one of those things that'll get you... So then the question comes up is, is it possible then to develop a new attachment style? Okay. 
Yeah. Which is kind of what Karen mm-hmm. is probably going to be up against with Bob. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is. And basically, you know, something if we're going to go back to what would we could talk about in helping Karen is either she goes back to counseling to learn how to kind of not allow this to impact her relationship. Okay. So, because it's not about her. Yeah, it's something that he can't control or really Mm -hmm. help. It's not anything he's doing to be mean. And if she could go to counseling and gain an understanding of attachment disorders and... Excuse me, and look at where he might fall into these different attachment theories that are what we see in adults, Mm -hmm. okay? And look at then, is he willing to go to counseling himself? Right. Okay? Because if he went to counseling himself, he could basically work on these childhood experiences, start to understand why he feels this way, where it came from, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Identify patterns that continue to pop up in relationships. Yeah. Okay. And also develop new ways of connecting. Yeah. And especially, and I don't, did it say if they had kids? It did said she... that they were both married once and adult kids are all out of the house. Oh, okay. So there, so, I was going to say, this would be especially important if she was wanting to start a family with him. Yeah. Get this kind of figured out before you bring a baby in and mm-hmm. have the cycle continue with yeah. his feelings towards, but it sounds like that's past yeah, that if point. Yeah, both of their adult kids are out of the house. Yeah. Yeah, grown kids, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Yeah, so looking at how we can really empower Karen, I think the first thing is she needs to get out of her head and stop <laughs> overthinking it. Because yeah. when she said, is this normal? Nope. It's not normal, but it happens and we see it. It's not normal and it's not about you. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and so, yeah, I think it's very important to realize, again, he's not being a jerk. Right. He's not being mean. Uh He's not doing this to hurt you. This is just the way he's wired right now. Right. And probably this has to do, we don't know much about his adoption at all, except he was adopted. So we do not know at what age he was adopted. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we do see a high correlation between adoption and attachment disorders. It kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because there isn't that stable, you know, consistent. Especially for some Mm -hmm. babies out Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Because I know, I, I, I do remember a few cases um, when I was working with you that um, they would still have an attachment disorder and they were adopted right in the hospital room. Mm-hmm. It was a planned, right. came from right out of the womb into mo- adopted mm-hmm. mom's arms and it was just great from there and they had this attachment disorder. Yep. And it just, it it's not really it, even able to be explained mm-hmm. as to where it came from because there was no time in the system or yeah being passed around right. even yeah and you know we talk about um that which is real interesting about being adopted from day 1 because we've always thought about attachment and bonding mm-hmm. okay and they're not the same and the other thing that we have to realize is bonding is not a natural development. 
So we don't instantly bond, like you're saying, the baby is given right to the adoptive mom right from birth, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't always mean there's going to be bonding. Yeah. Okay. So bonding is more learned and bonding is basically a a relationship between two or more people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's many reasons um, that you may not bond with a baby, even your own baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you could have had like a complicated pregnancy. Okay. And because some people will say they felt like they bonded with their baby in the womb. Yeah. Okay. So if you had a complicated pregnancy or a really hard delivery, you may not be emotionally able to bond with your baby at that time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or if you've had previous miscarriages, Mm-hmm. You may have some leftover. You almost have your guard up, yeah, all the time, uh-huh. of like not fully trusting mm-hmm. the process of yeah. this baby coming full term, yeah. And so, yeah, the entire pregnancy, you're just kind of emotionally detached a yeah, little. In a little, case. you're taking yeah. care of yourself, and you're doing everything right, but you're just you have that protective, yeah, barrier there, mm-hmm. yeah. And and we're human, mm-hmm. so we can have a whole bunch of other emotional stuff in the way that interferes with bonding like we could be having what if you're having marital problems yeah okay or financial problems and you're having this baby and emotionally there's just nothing there at the moment because you're spent Mm -hmm. you know so this whole idea of oh we naturally bond there's this natural attachment and sometimes there just isn't okay yeah you know, with or without the adoption, but we do see a higher correlation with attachment, especially the reactive attachment mm-hmm. that I was talking about earlier. We see more of that and I've dealt more with that, mm-hmm. you know, with adoption mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, in counseling and stuff where people just can't form attachments, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it makes sense. Cause ultimately it seems like the attachment disorder in a whole is a defense mechanism. Probably you yeah. kind of mm-hmm. develop. Uh huh teeny tiny it's like don't get attached like it's survival yeah it's a survival mechanism because you don't know how long you're gonna sit and cry right no and especially in those in those Mm -hmm. really poor situations where it gets developed right too is it's probably is more of a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. and and we saw that a lot um again when i worked on the indian reservation in protective services where little infants were often in multiple foster homes. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, the chances of that baby forming healthy attachments are probably pretty low. Yeah. You know. Being just passed around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So then on Karen's issue here with Bob. Because she has a full-grown adult. We don't have a baby Yeah, we don't have a baby. (laughs) But, you know, there's also a real significance part when she talks about that he was not allowed to have emotion. Oh, yeah. Okay. Men. Men are men. Uh Uh-huh. And that strict military upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so now as an adult, so the key thing that she said in here that was real interesting is she said when he's dealing with an issue or something's going on, he wants to be alone. Oh. Okay. Processes it alone. Yes. So he obviously buries all of his feelings inside he he isn't good at communicating about his feelings and that may go hand in hand with not trusting and having attachments when he was little having someone he could share his feelings with Mm -hmm. so i think there's a real correlation there between 
not just being adopted, but also not being able to have a safe place to get emotion out. Yeah. And that can come from a healthy family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quote, uh, quote unquote, healthy yeah. family, because that's not healthy to do, right. but yeah, where no adoption, no system, mm-hmm. nothing was incorporated. That mm-hmm. can just happen too, with just normal parents. Right. It can, you know, mm-hmm. huh. yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's a lot there with attachment disorders. I don't think people realize mm-hmm. that we see in adults, but this started way back in infancy where we just, you know, don't attach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what though? I think one really positive thing for Karen here is the fact that Bob is willing enough to tell her right. that I don't feel this way. I don't know why I don't feel this way, but I mm-hmm. don't have these feelings. And mm-hmm. the fact that he is you know, engage enough in his own feelings to be like, yeah, it bothers me because when you say this to me, because I can't feel that way. Right. I can't reciprocate. Uh-huh. And so it's nice that he's not in this denial stage. Either right. Way. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he's going to fight with her. Yeah. On figuring it out. Well, now it's out in the open. And like I said, if she can not make it about her mm-hmm. and realize he means it when he says, I don't miss anyone. Yeah. Okay. And his example of I don't miss my deceased parents, that's huge. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, so that's a pretty good insight to he really does not form these same kind of attachments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely um, think therapy, if you can get Bob to go, if he's open enough to it, I think it would be huge. Yeah. Even couple counseling to to work on ways to connect differently. Yeah. Because this isn't about him not caring about her. He just has a different love language. <laughs> yeah. He just has this different attachment thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've been dating a year. Yeah. And you know? again, he's not mean. He's not no, nasty. That's what she, and he's not narcissistic. <laughs> he's not narcissistic, Bob. <laughs> she made that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of figuring out the communication there mm-hmm. and processing different it. styles mm-hmm. you know and kind of looking at those um theories that we talked about which one relates to him yeah you know so do you uh have well, i know i know lots of stories but do you happen <laughs> to have like just well, before we end here just one good one with attachment disorders oh you I want know, me to tell stories yes i do because i know i know of a lot of them and uh, the different stories and all of the happenings just from working with them. Okay. Do you have one that you remember that you want me to share? Um, the Are you getting voted off the island? Oh. And I, that was, that's a really funny way of saying something really tragic. Yeah. <laughs> really not funny at all. But yeah, that, that one has always been one that has just oh. baffled me. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell, I'll tell the story. So, yeah, this is a very sad story. It is. Trigger warning, y'all. Yeah. So when I was working for a residential treatment, I had a young girl come from out of state, and she was on my caseload. And her story was just sad. She lived with her mom, stepdad, and several siblings. Okay. And she, her stepdad was very abusive, um, very abusive. She remembers him burning her feet with a lighter. Oh, Jesus. I know. Just sad. 
So one night at the dinner table, they took a vote to see if she was going to be voted out of the family. Oh, yeah. And they voted her out of the family at the dinner table. How old was she? Seven. Could you even imagine? Mm -hmm. And this is true. This is not just her saying this. This was verified with her records and her adoptive parents that I worked closely with for years. So she was literally voted out of the family. The next morning, they took her and her belongings in a black garbage sack and dropped her off on the porch of the Division of Child Services. Oh, my God. I know I've heard this story a hundred times, but Mm -hmm. it's still just, it's... And she went to a series of foster homes, Mm -hmm. one after another, and she had horrible experiences in the foster homes. She had all kinds of abuse happen. Um, One time she was actually trying to be placed with a family member, a grandfather, and that didn't work. She ended up being adopted by the family I worked with, with her when she was 11. Wow. Prior to that time, she had only actually seen her um, natural mother once. Since all of... Well, or up until the, up until the adoption and mm-hmm. all the foster care. She'd only actually saw her mom one time. Wow. Okay. So she was really abandoned. Yeah abandonment. That is the legit definition, I think, for a little kid there. Yeah. So this couple adopted her. They were not able to have children. Um, She was an only child. They were thrilled to be able to have her. And right off the bat, it was tough. Mm -hmm. She did not attach to them at all. She didn't trust them. She believed that they didn't want her. And she had these deep-seated, um, what we what we go, I won't go into it, but um, negative core belief that she wasn't lovable. So she was going to prove that she wasn't lovable. And she just gave them a run for their money and put them through hell. So she ended up in residential treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I worked with her for years. And it's interesting when we talk about attaching and bonding. Mm-hmm. So... While she was in placement, which was for a very long time, okay, she would come out here to equine therapy, and she was very familiar with with horses. In fact, she had, um, her family did um, an equine hunting, jumping, jumper, they jumped. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so anyway, she came out here, and I don't know if you remember this part, you had a horse. No, I always, I Harley? remember this part, yeah. Yeah, that we were going to get rid of? Uh-huh. Okay. And we were just about to sell him. He was not working out as a barrel horse, roping horse, yeah. and whatever. He needed a whole different realm of job. Right, yeah. <laughs> the, what, how the job we wanted was not what he wanted no. to do. So we were actually in the process of going to sell this horse. And she came out, and she instantly fell in love with him. And so she made me promise her I would not sell him till she was out of the program. Mm-hmm. And many days she would arrive out here and she would get out of the van and she would walk straight into his stall and sit there for the entire hour 
and that she just needed to be alone. She just needed time with him. And it was adorable because she, he was a huge horse Mm -hmm. and she would sit there on the ground in his stall and he would walk over and just put his head down. Mm-hmm. by her just over the top of her like he was watching over her and she was sitting there and she'd either cry or just but that's she didn't want anyone to touch her talking about when the relating to the story of bob that if something's going on he wants to be left alone yeah that was how she uh reacted yeah because well, you don't get comfort in other people right you don't have that attachment. yeah but she did with that horse And I think that horse was probably one of the key things in helping her turn her trust around and being able to realize that people do care about her, things care about her. Because she really... the first time she got attached to something. Yes. And I'll tell you what, they were attached. Yes, they were. I remember this. So do you remember how the story ends? Of course. Well, yes, mom. I was like like almost an adult. I remember this. We gave her your horse. I remember (laughs) this. Yeah. So I went to Brooke and said, um, she's going to be graduating from the program. Uh-huh. And I had already talked to her um, adoptive parents about this. And I said, would you consider if her adoptive parents say yes, if we give her the horse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So her parents actually paid to have this horse shipped out. It was middle of winter. Yeah. And... They did not live close by. This was a long shipping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they actually paid. And she graduated from the program and went home with the horse. Yep. Yep. I remember all of that. And it was like, and her, and it was like, yeah, we, this is the one thing she's attached to. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And. Yep. My gift to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that about wraps things up here. Right. Do you want to hear the rest of the story? Uh, oh, sure. Well, the I, ending. I thought I thought I gave the horse rainbows. <laughs> there was some butterflies, and I think there was a unicorn involved. But, no. Oh, no. okay. So there's a so uh, there's a quick ending. Okay. Because I have since been in touch with one of my coworkers who has stayed in touch with some of the girls over the years. Okay. okay. And this particular person is married, has a wonderful relationship, and has a baby. And also is doing wonderful with her adoptive parents. They are just one big happy family. So that's the end of that. So like I was, I was close. There's rainbows rainbows. and butterflies and unicorns. Harley was basically the unicorn. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So that one did end really well. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Boy, she was a tough one. Yeah. And you know, kudos to her adoptive parents for just never giving up. And I remember them. They, they stuck with Oh, I know. You know, it was, it was tough. They were not, they were not going to give up. No, they weren't. And Mm -mm. I do remember some, and some group home situations are kind of sad where it is parents kind of give up and it's Mm -hmm. like, just take care of this kid, keep them out of trouble till they're 18 and I'm done. Right. And that was not the case. No, it was, yeah, it turned out, but it took a lot of work to get this stuff turned around because she had such a rough start. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, that's wonderful. Yep. So anyway, that's my end of the story. Now we can quit. So back to rainbows. Yeah. (laughs) Back to wrapping this thing up. (laughs) So if anything that we talked about (laughs) triggers any issues or brings up anything for you, don't hesitate to get help. And Karen, I hope we have given you a little direction and insight because I think this is really doable. Yeah. 
Yep. And congratulations not having a narcissistic asshole this time. Right. Good for you to select someone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good selection process, Good selection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All okay. right. Well, I think that uh, ends it, and we will catch you all next time. Thank you.